3: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Morena, New Zealand, Uh, good morning to you on this uh, Wednesday morning. A pretty quiet night in terms of medals for us in the Commonwealth Games, but still plenty to talk about uh, coming in from Birmingham uh, throughout the morning. Um, And uh, we'll have a medal update too, uh, around about 9.25, which uh, sort of signals the end of uh, the day's activities as such. Uh, In the first half hour, though, I think we'll uh, open up the lines for you and uh, ask you uh, your opinion on uh, anything sporting, if you like. Uh, I see the Springboks have named a very powerful side. They've gone a 6-2 forward split uh, with backs in their reserves, which means they're going to try and pummel the All Blacks for uh, 80-plus minutes if they can, including starting Malcolm Marks at Hooker. He's a big physical unit. Uh, So they're big. They're very, very big on the back of what Ireland did to... The All Blacks, um, the Springboks, I think, are, are going to try and do exactly the same thing. Muscle it up, kick the ball uh, from the base of the scrum with Faf de Klerk and Andre Pollard and then chase the accuracy if their kicks have that. So um, I think the All Blacks probably know what their game plan is, what are they going to counter within the next day or so. We'd love to hear from you. 0800 150 811. You can win a Chemist Warehouse voucher. And uh, we can uh, actually hear uh, what you would do with the all black side and what's impressed you too at the Commonwealth Games now that we've got a bit of a lull um, and we can just reflect on pretty much the first half of it as we head into uh, the athletic side of it. There's still plenty of opportunities for New Zealand to come. Incidentally, if I was going to do a sermon this morning, and I'm not going to do a sermon, if I was going to do one, I might do one on why we actually care about six young thugs who climb up on a prison roof. Uh, and we, we, they become a, a big news item, I'll leave them up there. It's winter, it's cold. They didn't pick the right time of the year to do it. I mean, they'll come down at some point, surely. Won't they? I'm not trying to be Mike Hosking here, but isn't it a bit weird that we actually it we, becomes a major issue for us? Anyway, moving on. Uh, ben Sawyer just after 9.30. And Ben, of course, uh, if you don't know, you should know, he is the White Ferns coach and uh, they uh, beat Sri Lanka quite comfortably this morning into the last four and uh, I think we predicted that would be the case so how's Ben's uh, first uh, tournament in the job going? Uh, after 10 o'clock, really interesting, uh, we're talking to Sam Charlton now Sam is a former black stick and she's a gold medal winning Blackstick at that because she was part of the 2018 New Zealand team that knocked over Australia 4-1 on the Gold Coast to win the gold medal Memories of that ...from Sam Charlton and her her impressions of how we're going. We lost overnight. Uh, We lost overnight to Australia 1-0. It seemed like a tight game, but I think Australia, it's fair to say, dominated most of it. Andrew Gordy and Patrick McKendry will be our panel at 20 past 10. Uh, And then we will uh, speak to Dan who Now, Dan is uh, coach of uh, North Harbour this year in the Bunnings NPC. It's the Battle of the Bridge this uh, weekend against Auckland on Saturday night just how have North Harbour prepared and how are they shaping up for this t- uh, campaign this time around. 11.45 we'll have a rural roundup preview with Andy Thompson uh, and that'll take us through quite nicely to staff around about
5: midday.
6: Talk back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's 50 dollars Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800
3: 150 811 9.06 uh, here on SENZ in the mornings, <coughs> and I've missed you, Dean. Uh, good morning to you. Yeah, mate, Yeah, They
7: yeah, so named the Springbok team. I haven't um, really paid too much attention, yes. but a little bit...
3: I'll, shall I go through it for you mate And we'll just talk about the size that they've got here uh, They start up front with Trevor Nyankani and Malcolm Marks and Franz Malherber in the front row uh, They've got uh, Lourdes de Jager Koulisi and Peter Steph Dutoy At the loose forwards, big big units There um, Even uh, Etzabeth is in there as well uh, A new one in Jasper Fisa That I haven't heard too much about Fafta Klerk, Andre Pollard Mapimpi and uh, are the The wingers the Alonde and Arm, uh, the centres and Damien Will- Willemse, and uh the fullback, and they've got a six-two split with Franco Mostert and Crocker Smith, uh, in the and lo- the reserves as well. So just the two reserves in the back, six-two split there, Dean.
7: She's at Crocker Smith, he's an annoying bugger as well. When he comes on, he'll steal all the ball to be offside all day, and we won't be able to move him. Yada. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good. First try-scorer, Malcolm Marks. First try-scorer, second half, Malcolm Marks. You should be able to get your money back. Anytime try score definitely Malcolm Marks. And uh, scary. But for me, the old um, the Commonwealth Games or New Zealand cycling actually showed us exactly what we need to do with the NZRFU, to be brutally honest. And that's that's right through the country, like... The Southland Rugby Union elects someone to go. The Otago Rugby Union elects someone to go. Every rugby union elects someone to go. So it's time we stopped electing a long-serving bum licker and actually sent someone up there that's actually going to say, no, this isn't good enough. And make some hard and simple calls. And if, you can't, if you're not interested in rugby and you're absolutely looking for something to do, if you've got red blood running through your veins and you're not into women's pole vault, there's something absolutely wrong with you. I was going to start early this morning, Smithy. at me. I'm a wee bit late, but how good looking was that Canadian thing? Jesus.
3: I didn't. I, I'll be honest with you, Dean. Um, I, I didn't actually, I didn't watch the women's pole vault. I watched the women's cricket, um, and I watched a bit of swimming, and I watched the men's 10,000 metres, so I, I completely... Uh, Missed that one, Dino, and I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So I think we'll move on at the moment. Um, so I think we'll go to Jared. there will be, uh, be okay. Thanks very much for that, mate. <laughs> I guess you'll be watching that as well. Uh, Jared from Christchurch. Good morning to you.
8: weather here, going, mate.
3: Yeah, really good, Jared. Yourself? How's it? How's it down there? All right.
8: It's not too bad, mate. It's uh, a beautiful day here in the Garden City.
3: Cool. Cool, Paul
8: hey, Cole. Uh, yeah, just um, bring in about um, uh, Paul Cole. I'm a new fan. Um, I watched him make the semi final this morning. What a masterclass! Uh, just just blown away uh, by this Paul Cole. I, I've heard about him. Uh, I believe he's called Superman, and I can see why. Uh, he is unbelievable, and I, I can see him winning the, the final the way he's going. Um, I love, I just love the way he plays the game. Uh, what, what a game of squashers. It's a, it's a tough game, and he makes it look uh, easy at times, but I'm just blown away. And Smitty, I hear he, uh, he's, a, he's a scratch golfer.
3: I wouldn't be surprised, uh I would not be surprised, Jared, to think that whatever he turns his hand to, he'd be very good at. I mean, he is an absolute athlete. He's a greyhound. He's built to to perform in that regard. Uh, he dropped the set actually to a Welshman uh, in around about round three, and I thought mm, maybe he's just a bit flat. Uh, came back and actually won the fourth set, which was quite tight as well. Won that, and then of course he hasn't dropped a set since. And now with the emotion that he's shown by making uh, the grand final. Uh, from New Zealand's point of view, I can't see him getting beaten. I think the emotional carrying through, Jared, but he is special. There's no doubt about it. And the good thing about it is, he's just a he's just a Kiwi bloke. That's all. Just a Kiwi bloke flying yeah? by himself, by himself around the world too. That's what gets me. There's no, no team in what he does. It's pretty much him.
8: Exactly right. And I, I believe um, uh, he plays against the Egyptians, and, and apparently they are hard work, and he. And, and he just plies his trade against against them, and and uh, digs deep. And I tell you what, Smitty, uh, I will be following him now. Uh, when, it, when the Commonwealth Games finish, I'll be watching all his games uh, abroad. Uh, just a massive fan of us.
3: Well, I, I think Jared. To be fair, I, I think uh, we get quite a bit of coverage. It's just that we we sort of gloss over it a wee bit, uh, and we shouldn't because you know when you've got an athlete who is uh, about the, the best in the world. We should follow them everywhere, i.e., um, Lydia Coe and golf, and you know, uh, and we should. We should just absolutely do that. And and we're a bit um, remiss for not, to be fair. But Paul Cole deserves uh, every bit of uh, support, every bit of coverage that New Zealand uh, can can heap on him. And I'm predicting, seriously predicting, that he'll be standing on top of the dais, and we'll be hearing the national anthem of New Zealand. Jared, what else has grabbed your fancy so far in the Commonwealth Games? Anything much?
8: Uh. I've really enjoyed the, the swimming and, and, and the, the cycling, of course. Uh, but Smitty, I'm just so proud of them all. Uh, you know, we always bet above our weight, and, and um, I'm just really looking forward to the rest and, and um, making the most of it because it'll be over before we know it. And, and wish we would uh, watched more of it, we could have. But um, oh, I'm just, I'm just loving it. And, and go to ABs this weekend.
3: Yeah, what are you what are you thinking about the abs, Jared? Um, and what would you what kind of changes would you make? I mean, uh, you just obviously start Scott Barrett at lock for Brodie Ratalek, but where else are we going to? What else are we going to do in our loose forwards? It's always a, a question mark there. And uh, would you start? Would you start Richie Mulong, ahead of Bowden Barrett this time around?
8: No, I I, I would go with Barrett. Uh, Try to true, give him a, give him an opportunity to uh, fly his trade. He's world class. Um, but Smiley, I don't want to. I don't want um, to say the wrong thing here. But deep down, I'm hoping we lose both so we get Razor.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I know that uh, a lot of people uh, had that sentiment, Jared, and it was very interesting to hear Mark Robinson's uh, last comments where uh, he said uh, Ian Foster is the right man to take us to South Africa. So from that, you get the feeling. Uh, if you read between the lines that it's hugely important the next fortnight um in terms of the head coaching structure of the all blacks jared hey enjoyed talking to you this morning thanks Uh, continue to enjoy the commonwealth games so looking forward to um the rugby at the weekend as well um mike from christchurch as well g'day mike
2: guys i think how you going all right yeah good man good good hey uh just I uh, want to talk about Springboks very quickly, though. I would agree with that sermon if you had actually said it. Um, quite interesting, after the news last night, uh, they had all these poor dairy owners who are getting their shops all turned over by these teenagers. So, anyway, moving on. Uh,
3: Springboks. I, um, I saw that, Mike, actually. I saw that, Mike, before you get on to the Springboks. I, spring I saw that, and I just cannot believe yeah. that. I, I, That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I prefer to watch things like Storage Wars, um and porn stars and i mean the the guys that sell that stuff at las vegas those those shows between six and seven because the news is so damn depressing in this country it is absolutely depressing so i I dodge it like like dodgeball i just dodge it um and watch the other those junky shows because there's a bit of fun about it you know and 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 it's it's all harmless you watch the news in this country good god hate it hate it okay sorry got that off my chest as well uh, mike Yeah. yeah
2: I'm off to America a bit later and uh, my daughter's six and uh, she doesn't want me to go because she thinks I'm going to get shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the news oh, is God. can be a pretty dark place. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey, uh, on the Springbok, um, I would probably start Barrett. I'm, I'm a Crusaders fan, but I would start Barrett on this test, but I think Moang has got to get a start in the next one. Has to. Um, otherwise, he's gonna. He's not gonna. Get, if he doesn't get a start, he's not gonna get the experience of uh, of uh, playing with the All Blacks. Um, the other thing is, basically, they've just got to front. They have to front. I mean, if we were playing well, um, we would still struggle to probably win one game because of the Springboks at home, and well, we know how tough they are. So uh, they've they've just got to prove that the forwards and. Sam Whitelock's been in the news this week and actually a couple of other players about saying that, you know, we, we have to get out there, it's up to us, it's the players, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So we as the public, we've just got to see the effort. Because if we see the same old dross I've been serving up the last couple of tests, then it's, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it's got to be game over, Foster, after that. There's no coming back, I, I'm surely.
3: Well I agree with you um, and if I've got any respect uh, at all for Ian Foster, if he still holds the power in the dressing room, you, will sh- you should see a really determined physical effort from those guys up front uh, and if they get battered and beaten and they're not, they're not big enough and strong enough, so be it, but you you want to see them basically um, you know, die for their head coach this weekend in metaphorical terms because if that's where the spirit lies within the group, that's what I want to see uh, and uh, and if they yep. are, you know, they are beaten after a, a solid 80 minutes with all 23 players, including those coming off the bench, a more than solid effort. They get beaten in the last second, so be it. And you know they're down on their haunches at the end because they've got nothing left. I'd be more happy with that, Mike, because that would convince me that at least Ian Foster can get them going. And if I don't see, if yeah, I see yeah. a lackadaisical performance, if I if I see. Uh, the fact that uh, they're not committed and they do get beaten up front convincingly, um, then I think uh, the answer uh, to everyone's question is pretty simple.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good one. All right, enjoy your show, mate. Thank you.
3: Cheers. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Thanks very much for taking the time to ring. Um, And thanks to everyone uh, who called this morning. Uh, Dino, um, you got a text in to say from somebody that, uh, Dino, you are my hero. You are my hero. Uh, And someone else, James has come in and said, uh, Hi, Smithy. when does the All Black team announce? Well, generally over here it's on a Thursday morning, so I can expect it probably, though, won't go away from that very much. So I'm probably thinking uh, Thursday night, maybe Thursday night New Zealand time, um, which uh, is Thursday morning South African time. They don't sort of depart from that. But sometimes they do, James has announced it, um, to make sure it's a good time for the media to get stuff around. We'll wait and see, but uh, sometime Thursday, I'm thinking, James. Uh, thanks very much uh, for everyone taking part this morning. It's uh, 9.18 here on SENZ.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith
0: on SENZ. Smithy's Middle Tally Update. Give your tech the winning edge of this Commonwealth Games with the experts at No Leaming.
3: Well the medal tally uh, as we've uh, come to the end of today's activities as such uh, Australia way out in front with 105 uh, their total They have uh, 42 uh, golds, 31 silver, 32 bronze I mean I'm just updating it all the time because they just clean out in the pool don't they 42, 31, 32, 105 England are now uh, with 81 medals in total comprising 29 gold 33 silver and 19 bronze. We're still third uh, in terms of gold medals. Uh, 13, 7, 6. Quiet day for us yesterday. Two bronze uh, medals added to our tally. Uh, Imogen Eris in the pole vault. And uh, she would uh, beat out the more fancied uh, Olivia McTaggart, to be fair. Uh, and then in the women's four, uh, skipped by uh, Val Smith uh, and made up of uh, Nicole Toomey, Selena Goddard, and Taylor Bruce, Uh, that was that combination they picked up a bronze when they knocked over Fiji in that particular match, so that's good Uh, chasing us down though, Canada, they're up to 11 golds, uh, 16 silvers and 19 bronze with a total of 46 so they're hot on our heels in terms of the gold medals, so Logan, that begs the question, uh, what are we in for today and what opportunities do we have?
0: Yes, Smithy. day six of the Commonwealth Games coming up for us uh, Wednesday night tonight. There's quite a bit going on and quite a smorgasbord, as you expect, with the Commonwealth Games. We have the bowls, the women's peers, men's singles... Uh, women's triplets, men's fours and the power mixed pairs all getting underway across various times throughout the night so it seems like there's always going to be something going on if you're into your lawn bowl starting at 7.30pm and going all the way <laughs> into the morning. Weightlifting as well, 8.30pm, we've got the men's 109kg uh, plus there, Junior Tarsi is involved in that. We've got a bit of judo going on from 9pm, swimming heats, we're back in the pool, Smithy, uh, Lewis clebert His uh, next event, the men's 200 metre individual medley. The heats are at 9.33pm and then the finals, I believe, are later in the morning. Erica Fairweather and Eve Thompson also get underway with the women's 400 metre freestyle. The cycling, we've moved away from the velodrome, we're now into the mountain biking men's cross country final, we've got Sam Gaze and Ben Oliver in that, that's 10.30pm. So potential medal event there for us, Smithy. And then, uh, of course, more athletics. You got the men's high jump final, Hamish Kerr. You got the women's 100-meter semifinals finals uh, with Zoe Hobbs. Women's shot put final with Matty Wish. Uh, could be a big morning to wake up to for us in New Zealand. Some uh, middle prospects there.
3: Yeah, definite middle prospects actually. Um, but one of the sad things is, of course, one of my favourite athletes, and I said that throughout the Olympics as well, is um, our men's cross-country mountain bike. Uh, Racer and Anton Cooper has had to withdraw from uh, the competition this time round after testing positive for COVID-19. He was the 2014 champion, the 2018 silver medalist, was eyeing a third successive Commonwealth Games medal and is absolutely gutted to have to withdraw, as you would imagine. He said, I put a focus on competing in Birmingham over the UCI World Cup races at Clash. I injured my wrist in a recent World Cup but was prepared uh, well and to miss out like this is uh, really disappointing his symptoms are pretty mild but he does not feel up to racing a decision supported by the new zealand doctors taking so much care he said not to get COVID for several months though this is massively disappointing when it means uh missing out on representing my country and he genuinely was a medal hope there looking on the back of a gold and a silver uh just away from the commonwealth games and uh it was interesting to read this Headline about Tiger Woods and Greg Norman confirming the, the dollar amount that was involved here. When he turned down Woods, turned down a sum of in the region of one to one point three billion to join. Uh, that's New Zealand dollars to join the Saudi-backed uh, Live uh, Golf International Series, the Breakaway Circuit. CEO Greg Norman said. Norman said the offer was made before the Australian was named chief of the controversial series, which is bankrolled, of course, by the Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund. Uh, that number was out there before I became CEO, so that number has been out there, yes. Uh, look, Tiger is a needle mover, right? So, of course, you've got to look at the best of the best. They had originally approached uh, Tiger before I became CEO. That number is somewhere about at uh, 700 to 800 million in the neighbourhood. Uh, Mickelson and Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau uh, have all signed, of course, for big, big money fees. So uh, so that is just uh, an indication Uh, of just where it sits in terms of the value of what Tiger Woods can do and what kind of uh, credibility Tiger Woods would have come. That would have been a great acid test actually because still I think convention says that they're regarded as rebels, they're regarded as the bad boys, the breakaway boys, some of them regarded as the has-beens that weren't going to win anymore anyway uh, with the exception perhaps of the likes of Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, but the rest of them just cashing in at the end of their careers, which in a way you can't blame them for doing so when that money's offered to them on a plate. Um, But uh, I think the future of the PGA is still with the PGA and the young players coming through uh, with the core players who have stuck with it and the institutionalised guys too, um, the Fred Couples, the Davis Loves, that sort of age bracket there, who uh, of course are not up for grabs by Greg Norman, but certainly... Uh, have made a living and have been very much part of the PGA, Uh, absolutely convinced that that's where the heart and soul of golf still is and that's where it should be. Uh, It's coming up to uh, 9.30 here on SENZ. We shall uh, get to the news now with Araha, and when we come back we'll try and make contact with Ben Sawyer, who's the White Ferns coach over there in Birmingham. (laughs) Well, 9.32 here at New Zealand time it's a little later in the evening over there in Birmingham um, and the Women's T20 cricket is making its Commonwealth Games debut right now at these games and the White Ferns are currently 2 from 2 after defeating South Africa by 13 runs in their opening match of the tournament their bowling attack came out firing a game 2 against Sri Lanka setting a target of 148, the Sri Lankans struggled never getting close uh, really and uh, New Zealand won by 45 runs in a canter I think it's fair to say, which would please their coach, who's on the line with us now, Ben Sawyer, brand new coach too of the White Ferns. Uh, Ben, good morning to you, uh, New Zealand time. Good evening over there.
9: G'day, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you.
3: Uh, Two from two, so you'd be pretty uh, happy with the way things are just ticking over?
9: Yeah, look, they're a really great bunch. I've said that from the start when I started with this team, but... um, you know, tonight in particular, that you know, obviously the first game, Susie was outstanding, but then to get some other contributions from the with the bat today, I think that was really pleasing. And then also to be able to give someone like Eden Carson, you know, four overs and her to get her first wicket was was pretty cool to watch.
3: Actually, that was probably the best bit of footage I've seen. The reaction to uh, the thumbs up from uh, the television umpire and the reaction from the team, I think that was 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 pretty joyous.
9: Yeah, I think it shows how, you know, well she's fitted into the side. She's a great personality and, um, you know, even tonight I got to see just how good she's in the field too. Like, she's got a great arm for such a little girl. So, um, mate, she was outstanding. So, yeah, it was really good to watch.
3: Okay, so uh, 147 for seven, uh, batting first, uh, Sophie Devine 24, Susie Bates 34, Halliday, Brooke Halliday 20, Turner to 20 off at the uh, very end of just eight deliveries. So uh, the experience side of things coming through with the bat there, and uh, uh, I guess uh, that has to be the key to, to going forward.
9: Yeah, obviously, you know, we, you know our experience is up the top, and um, yeah, you know, for us to post a really, really big score, um, you know, we need those, those big players for us to, you know, to contribute. But, um, yeah, to, to see Brooke get a hit today and even Leah towards the back end, just be able to nail a few over the fence, um, it was great. And then, you know, with the ball, mate, I don't think I've ever seen it before, but Hayley Jensen bowling 20 dots, um, that was a pretty special spell of bowling. So um, she really stood up as well.
3: Yeah, that is outstanding because, uh, of course, you're looking for depth in that particular area. Uh, Let's uh, look at um, how the the new people coming through into the squad. In particular, um, Izzy Gaze, uh, who's doing the keeping role side of it, the keeping batting role side of it. Eden Carson, you you mentioned, uh, coming through. Fran Jonas continuing on to develop. So uh, how are you happy with that, that development, Ben?
9: Yeah, look, we uh we probably sat Fran out today literally because of match-ups. Probably the the one and only team in world cricket. I had you know um, six left-arm spin, uh, left-hand bats. So we just thought the match-up and being a fresh wicket, we'd um you know we'd get a few more medium paces into the game, but. Look, I'd be very surprised if Fran doesn't return for the next match because you know in each of the warm-up games uh, she's taken a wicket in the first over for us. So she's learning to bowl in the power play as well against some you know some really experienced players. So it's pretty you know daunting I guess for a young girl to do that, but she stood up really well for us so far. So she's been great. Easy with the gloves today, you know to to be honest, probably not her greatest night with the with the gloves, but. You know, again, it's her second match, so um, to be able to do that in front of a big crowd. But with the bat, um, I thought she was outstanding. She played a role. She got, I think it was 17 off 14. So um, to come in and and get a runner ball and and give the strike to Leah and and girls like Brooke. So she did exactly what what we asked of her.
3: I guess the more that uh, she keeps to the likes of uh, Amelia Amelia Kerr and uh, Eden Cass and a friend, Jonas, uh, I guess the the more familiar she'll be coming because. Uh, reading uh, Amelia Kerr is something that, that uh, batters have a problem with from time to time. So uh, I guess uh, more time in the middle is the answer there for Izzy.
9: That's exactly right, and you hit the nail on the head there. And it's just the more time she gets to keep Amelia, and you know one of the Sri girls went for a, you know a real big switch hit, and it probably got lost, you know, the side of it. So you know the more she sees those things in international cricket, the the better she'll get. So um, look, she's going to have the gloves for us for a while. She's she's. You know, showing us that, and we want to back her all the way. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what she can do.
3: How are you finding it, Ben, as a, a head coach? I know you've um, you've been part of the Australian setup over the last uh, five or so years, and they've developed well, without seldom ever losing a game of cricket, and uh, not very often they're under that much pressure. How have you found the the, the White Ferns head coach role thus far?
9: Yeah mate I'll be honest I absolutely I'm loving it um you've got an absolutely amazing captain in this country in Sophie Devine and um you know the way that she leads this group um it's just been a pleasure to watch and and hopefully I can add bits and pieces but um you know she's one of the great leaders and you know the way she's embraced the Commonwealth Games and you know really tried to get that New Zealand flavour to it um just commend her fully for that so yeah it's been an amazing few weeks for me personally as well
3: so that is that is your approach actually that uh, your captain is your boss as such and you're there as a support act as opposed to being the head coach over the top
9: oh look I think we work together to be honest but um I definitely feel that it's it's her game out in the middle and you know we have discussions about decisions that she makes on the field and um things like that but it's always just a discussion and, and that's the way I've always tried to work with with captains and you know i think after you know a few games together you start to read each other and and figure out probably the same or, you know you have similar ideas so i uh, definitely believe it's it's a player's game and i'm there to support them and and hopefully you know that's the way i like to coach so
3: just looking at the the points tables and and both groups uh, pretty much uh, results have uh, gone to expectation uh, I think it's fair to say, Ben, so it's looking like Australia and India in Group A and uh, New Zealand and England in Group B. Next, you've got England, of course, the host nation. And um, the significance of that could be quite important if you're looking to perhaps avoid Australia in the next game.
9: Yeah, look, I think it's really, really important. Um, you know, Obviously, the current world champion so you know if you don't have to come up against them straight away um you know, obviously to win the thing you've, you're probably going to come up against them but um yeah look i think both england and us would be you know really trying hard to win that that last game and and to go in top even just for the fact that um you know there's no reserve day for the for the semi-final so you know if you if you come in on top then you you know you're take the weather out of it so that's a very big game and not one that you know we're just going to be trying to participate in but um definitely one that you know going to look in to win and, and take whatever advantage we can into the finals
3: ben the english cricket side the english women's cricket side became very familiar to us of course during uh, the cricket world cup here what about the personnel are there any differences that we would note about the england side that you've got to take on shortly
9: yeah, I think uh, there's a young girl named Alice Capsey who I was, you know, um, got to watch a little bit in the 100 last year. And she stood up today for him. I think she got 59 off 39. She's only uh, 17 years of age and, and bats number three for him. So uh, she's an outstanding batter, bowls a little bit of off so That might be one that people in New Zealand don't know. And, and a girl named Maya that, um that is another, you know, hard-hitting middle-order bat. So they've changed their, their team a little bit um and they've also got a, a left-hand bowler in in camp that um is brand new to the side as well so you know they're probably the new ones that um you know we've all got to you know work on as well and and come up for come up with plans for so um yeah a couple of good names and, and young girls as well
3: your uh, old side australia i, I guess you're, you're trying hard not to focus too much on, on what they're up to and you've got a new role of course but uh, they look pretty good um pretty impressive once again uh, and of course they've had the benefit of consistency of selections throughout their squad
9: yeah mate, they're a, they're an amazing side and you know they, they sort of had a little bit of the wobbles the other day but um such a strong batting lineup that you know even if you're four or five out with that team you know you're, you're pretty free to keep playing your shots because you know, so many batters come in and, you know, that's something that we'll have to deal with. But, you know, if Sophie and Susie in our top order get going, then, you know, I, I believe they can compete And with any of them. And, and I think our bowling's developing a little bit. Hayley at the death again today was was just outstanding. She's very good against South Africa. So I think we're starting to, to get a few roles and a, a few people playing those roles. And, um, yeah, they're doing them quite well. So, yeah, quietly confident we can put up a good show if we come up against them ben uh
3: obviously this is your first uh, role with the side um and uh obviously a very important one as well to kick off with aside from a medal aside from you know uh, standing on the on the podium at the end of this tournament what are you looking for in terms of the development of this side what will you be happy coming away with
9: yeah again i, I just keep going i've been asked this a few times and me talking to the team as well it's and I sort of guess I just said it the last one. It's just really trying to nail down some roles for our players. And I, I think that's, you know, when I've looked at New Zealand and, and this team before, um, you know, I felt like they've always chased Australia and, and chased wickets and things like that. So, you know, to, to have, you know, a death bowler in Hayley Jensen and, you know, I thought Leah Tahoe was outstanding with her fast bowling today and, and short pitch stuff. So she's banging it in the wicket for us and, you know, we've got, Fran Jonas, who takes the ball away from the right hander, and um, Eden, that takes it away from the left hander. So, if we can just start to nail down a few of these roles, then again, I think we then give Sophie lots of options when she takes out to the field. And then, if we can match them up really well, um, so you know, the role clarity is, is a really big one for me. And if we can just keep building on that each tour, then, then I'd be really happy.
3: First time uh, cricket's been in the uh, Commonwealth Games, women's cricket, uh, T20 cricket, Ben um you haven't got to the, the the playoff games yet the finals when i think the crowds will be very very big but how do you think it's been received uh, as a new sport
9: yeah look the first game against south africa was was really well attended on uh on a on a weekend so that was great and um, um, you know the crowd today was was really good as well like not huge numbers but made lots of noise and the english crowd i think appreciate any good cricket so um yeah, we've had lots of support. There's people waiting for us back at the hotel tonight. So uh, I think that shows just how sort of how popular it is. So, um, yeah, I think it's been well-received. And the really nice part is that the girls have been able to get amongst some of the other sports and, and support them. So to feel part of something a bit bigger than just your side, uh, I think it's been a really nice change for for the White Ferns as well.
3: So uh, the next one against uh, England is, uh, is when?
9: Uh, day off tomorrow and then play the next day so um, sorry I forget what day it is, today. Tuesday so that'd be Thursday, um, yeah but rest day tomorrow and then um, yeah back into a, a night game again against England
3: All good uh, Ben, uh, head coach of the White Ferns, uh, thanks very much for your time uh, this morning, nice to see that things are ticking over quite nicely and uh, with the big games coming up, let's hope that continues, uh, thanks very much, continue to enjoy.
9: No thanks for the chat, thank you, have a good day
3: it is uh, Ben Sawyer their head coach for uh, the White Ferns. They're two from two, knocking over Sri Lanka uh, just a, an hour or so ago in very convincing fashion, uh, 147 for seven, uh, and uh, defending it with ease, uh, Sri Lanka uh, getting within 45. But that's all never at any stage under pressure, particularly after the opening blast uh, from our opening bowlers, which uh, saw early wickets and an absolute miserly um, early run rate for Sri Lanka. They pretty much had no price at all. It's coming up to 9.45 here on SENZ.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Uh, Texts that have uh, come in uh, about uh, the All Blacks in particular. Uh, Morning Smithy, new props uh, in the 23 for me. And imagine if Whitelock goes down, uh, would be in a real big locking crisis. Um morning, uh, says Brian, uh, to get some size and power on the field against uh, South Africa, played the Groot, Bauer and Tokiaho in the front row uh, Lord's not there, of course he's injured, Vai to partner Whitelock or maybe Tua Piloto, uh, might come into the reckoning there Brian, because you want Scott Barrett at number 6 Akira to number 8 and Arty to number 7, well you know, it's not. we know it's not going to happen because we know that Sam Kane will be capped and we know that Sam Kane will be at 7, um, but I know that's, that's what you would do, but it isn't what um, uh, the bosses are going to do. And don't expect anything different in these two test matches. That pack gives us uh, size and speed and line out options. No, it won't happen. Yeah, you're right there. Um, absolutely right. So, uh, interesting. And uh, just getting back to uh, the White Fans, what I did notice um, about, and it's easy on the side that's dominating, you see them in the park, but you don't look happy. Uh, they really look like a happy, contented bunch about what they were doing. And um, the, the first game against South Africa was uh, very important to them. Had they lost that, probably wouldn't have made the last four probably not so that was a crucial game uh, this one and the next one is uh, uh, sorry the next one against uh, england is crucial in that i believe australia will beat india they'll qualify top and you uh, if you can uh, win your next game you're basically guaranteed a gold or silver medal it's as simple as that uh, and that is uh, why it's such such for me such an important game i'd be thinking uh, if you were able to avoid Australia, I think New Zealand could beat India. I don't think and that's what I'm saying they're guaranteed a medal. Uh, I would be thinking that they're not going to be able not going to be able to beat uh, Australia nine times out of ten, perhaps nineteen times out of twenty. They might find the one time where Australia are weak and as he says, Susie Bates or uh, or Sophie Devine or Melie Kerr absolutely fire up. But there and is the issue for me. They're very, very brittle if they lose a couple of early wickets, and that's what England and Australia uh, have the power to do. They've got good new ball bowlers, and they get knocked the top off and in innings. If that's the case, New Zealand are going to have to be tested, and I, I, I don't mind when uh, Sophie Devine and Susie Bates get runs at the top of the order, and they did again. They gave us a good start this morning. Problem is, if they get out, um, you know, in the big games, some of the other batters have had very little opportunity have form and what have you. And I think they made a mistake like that going into the uh, 50-over World Cup when they played against Australia, got 300,000 runs in one game against Australia, knocked them over, and only two batters really got a hit. Uh, And instead of retiring and giving the other players opportunities in that particular game against a very good Australian attack, they didn't develop the, the depth when they had the opportunity there. Just some observations, but they do look like a happy bunch, so it looks to me as if they're really enjoying playing under their new coach, Ben Sawyer. It's 9.53 here on SCNZ.
4: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's
6: Multi.
7: Know when to walk away, and know when to run.
6: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
3: Well, the Texas Rangers got beat yesterday by the Baltimore Orioles. I didn't think that would happen, so consequently uh, that multi-went down the gurgler. So let's uh, see if we can... Uh, we've still got a couple waiting, actually, for results in the Commonwealth Games, so uh, not all is lost there. Um, so today we'll go to uh, women's tennis and uh, tournament being played in San Jose. Quite a good time to watch, actually, on New Zealand time. Ange Bair, who was uh, the number three seed who was beaten in the final at Wimbledon, um, she's playing Madison Keys today. Uh, should account for her at $1.38. Uh, Major League Baseball today, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are playing against the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Blue Jays are at $1.70 for that one. And in the Women's NBA, Las Vegas Aces to beat the Washington Mystics at $1.61. So that's Angebert uh, into Toronto Blue Jays into Las Vegas Aces, and that uh, will net us $3.78 going to have a bit of a switcherooney around in the next hour. Instead of uh, having uh, Sam Charlton at just after 10 o'clock, a former uh, women's black stick, of course, we're going to have her just uh, after uh, 10.30, which means we'll have the panel consisting of Andrew Gordy and Patrick McKendry coming up uh, very shortly. Issues there, the Warriors, cricket, golf, Commonwealth Games, All Blacks. Plenty to talk about with those two. Very learned gentlemen. In the meantime time for the 10 o'clock news with Araha.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk,
10: big opinions, the
3: panel. Talk to me, yeah. Yeah. Andrew Gordy and Patrick McKendry uh, join us this morning on the panel. Two very experienced panellists uh, who uh, run their eyes across uh, all forms of sport. And that's what we're going to try and cover in the next uh, 20 minutes uh, as we have a uh, chat. Uh, Andrew, first of all, Commonwealth Games are top of the agenda for everybody at the moment. Relatively quiet uh, overnight with the pole vault bronze going to Harris and uh, the fours bowls picking up a bronze medal as well. Uh, but Joel King losing in the squash semi, which was pretty much a surprise for me.
10: Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Pat. Morning to all the listeners. Um, look, games games has been great so far, haven't they? And uh, it's obviously been fantastic to see our athletes doing so well, but I've also um, really, I suppose, some of the, I won't say highlights of the games, but some of the, the most interesting parts of the games, I suppose, have been, um, you know, seeing how athletes deal with, with that sort of disappointment as well. Um, we saw it from... Uh, Black Sevens, obviously, who who really came to these Commonwealth Games with one idea in mind, and that was to win a gold medal. And when they obviously, um, you know, fell short against Australia, we saw that emotion come out, and we've seen something similar um, from from Joelle King this morning. Um, very emotional um, following her defeat, which obviously means she she'll be playing for bronze this time around. Um, but yeah, extremely extremely surprising. I think both her and Paul Cole would have had. The same idea coming to these games, they're here for, to, to contest and win a gold medal. Um, and so when you fall short, it's, um, yeah, it's tough to take. But um, look, she's a fantastic athlete, obviously, and she has nothing to prove, obviously, in terms of what she's already achieved for, for New Zealand in this, in this sport. So um, yeah, tough, tough time for her, obviously, but no, nah, take nothing away from what a tremendous athlete and a tremendous person she is.
3: Uh, Good morning to you, Patrick uh, McKendry And, Pat, uh, I just wonder, now we've had two or three days to uh, digest, uh, and Andrew reminded me of the fact that we only got two bronze in the sevens. Uh, How do you view view that campaign? Uh, A lot of people are saying uh, fail.
11: Yeah, g'day, Smithy, Andrew. Um, You'd have to consider it a failure. It sounds harsh, but uh, New Zealand rugby, would have the expectation would have been two goals. Uh, the expectation for the players and everyone involved directly with those teams would have been through goals as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the half truth is probably a, a, um, they, they were twin failures, really. Um, disappointing, obviously, but I guess that's, that's sevens, um, a little bit unpredictable, um, and, and that's just the way it goes. Obviously, disappointing with, you know, given the, the Black Ferns are Olympic champions and and indeed, what, what uh, the New Zealand team, uh, the men's team, did uh, at the Olympics as well. Um, but that's just the way it goes sometimes.
3: Has, uh, what has been uh, for you the highlight? Has it been the pool? Has it been, mm. you know, been Claire Has Has it also been um, the track cycling for you so far? Yeah. Patrick, are you surprised at the success and the way that they've turned around supposedly a sport which was in turmoil, what, two years ago?
11: I do have a bit of a soft spot for cycling, um, and that has definitely been the highlight for me so far. Um, yeah, just, just across the board, really. And Bryony Bota, um, you know, the, her strength in the, in the team pursuit, uh, le- leading that team around, you know, that only had three cyclists in it because Elise Andrews pulled out early in, in, in those races. But just to see her strength to, to do that at the front for so long and and elise andrews herself obviously three gold medals just incredible what a talent and she's only what she 22 or something um obviously coming from an endurance background and that's clearly helped because she can sprint and then sprint again which has really been a secret weapon at these games um andrew gate uh you know his success and uh really all of the cyclists have have competed so well And and it's been really it's been a joy to watch and You know, um, it makes you wonder about what might happen in Paris uh, at at the Olympics next time round. I think um, certainly expectations would have risen there.
3: Do you think, uh, Andrew Gordy, that um, cycling will be sitting back uh, with a a huge, well, I would say sigh of relief, but, you know, with the satisfaction of a job pretty well done at this point in the turnaround?
10: Yeah, and I, I really wanted to touch on that this morning because obviously, and quite rightly, um, we are all celebrating the success of this, this cycling team. They've done a tremendous job uh, at these games and they deserve all the plaudits in that regard. But there's been sort of a, a bit of discussion. That that has obviously been um, prompted, I suppose, further discussion about and questions about is, is this a sign that things are turning around for Cycling New Zealand? Let's make something really clear here. The performance side of things has never really been the issue for this track cycling team. All, the, all the, the problems around the program recently have been around the welfare of the athletes. So I think it's really important that we don't mistake the success that we're seeing on the track in Birmingham and take that as a, as a steadfast guarantee that all those welfare issues have now been sorted out, tidied up, and everyone's happy. It has never been about the high-performing, medal-winning athletes. It has been about the athletes on the fringe of the program, the ones who have had their lifelong dream of going to Commonwealth Games, going to Olympic Games, winning medals, um, and those who are having their their dreams sort of crushed, I suppose, or not quite being able to realise the, their dream that they had, and how that then impacts them, and how the sport, you know, sweeps in and makes sure that those athletes are okay. So, um, credit, like I say, credit to Cycling New Zealand. The athletes are performing at an excellent level, but but let's not forget what this, the review, the recent scrutiny that that sport was under. What it was really about. It wasn't about the types of athletes like Elise Andrews and Aaron Gates. It was about the the athletes that you don't quite hear so much about. So I, I certainly hope, like I say, that we don't mistake it for for something else, and that Cycling New Zealand continues that work and they continue, um, you know, to be monitored. I suppose of, of how the looking after
11: their athletes going
3: forward. Uh, Stay on the subject of uh, the mental side of of being a high-profile sportsman and, um, you know, being a bit left out at times. Uh, Interesting to see during the week uh, on the cricketing theme, uh, Heath Davis, uh, Andrew, coming out as being the first openly gay black Cap, and the problems that he had going through um, sort of hiding this. Look, Smitty, um,
10: first thing I can say about that is um, tremendous courage, obviously, from Heath Davis to come out um, and, and speak in such an open manner, um, not only about his sexuality and his experiences as a cricketer, um, battling with, I suppose, uh, what was, as you know well know, Smithy, what was probably a very macho environment back in those days and his battles of, of fitting into a team environment at those points, but but also just speaking as well about, his other life experiences, I won't go and spoil it for, for people that uh, haven't watched it yet, but can I just say what a beautiful job the spin-off did of, of that piece in particular. Um, and hats off to everyone who was involved in that. I thought they handled it with great sensitivity and great care. Um, but look, going back to the original point, um, hats off to Heath Davis, because we all know that it takes, it takes you know, trailblazers, I suppose, someone to, to come out and be open and honest about their own situation because that makes other people uh, feel confident uh, and comfortable in their own skin to, to then follow through and, and you know, be honest about who they are in their team environment and whatnot. So um, he deserves massive praise for that. Um, interesting, though, I have spoke to a couple of people uh, yesterday off the back of this, and, and it's amazing how many people were just like, I thought this was common knowledge, like everyone knew. And that, that's the funny thing, though, isn't it? Like Within the cricketing environment, I think a lot of people did know about this. But it's a big difference between knowing about it and someone speaking speaking openly about it to the public. So a really important step, and he deserves massive, massive credit for that.
3: Yeah, how do you view it, Patrick?
11: I agree with with Andrew. I I thought it, again it was a beautiful piece that the spin spinoff um, did in terms of the documentary. I think um, oh. it was sensitively handled and, and really nicely uh, resourced. They obviously dug pretty deep and around. Um, uh, if people haven't seen it, there's a lot of stuff around Heath's um, youth when he was a kid playing and also just mucking around in, in Wellington, which um, it added a real poignancy to the piece I saw. It, it, I, I found it quite sad in many ways that Heath um, he, he couldn't fully express himself um, as a young man in the New Zealand cricket team. Um, and, and sad, too, that he had so much talent um, which probably wasn't fully realised because I, I don't know whether he was a bit different in terms of his attitudes or, um, you know, obviously he was quite a raw talent with a lot of pace but, but maybe not a lot of direction um, in all senses of the word perhaps. Um, but yeah, and, and to see him as a young, a young boy in, in, the, in the documentary with his whole life ahead of him and to see him now, it was quite sad. But again, so impressed with his courage and his poise In in the interviews Um, I thought he came across really, really well Uh, And so uh, just a brilliant piece And um, as Andrew said Applaud his bravery and courage for coming out And speaking like he did
3: I can tell you Heath uh, Davis' story When he was just a kid at Wellington College uh, We were having net bowlers come down And bowl to us at the Basin Reserve And um, he um, was bowling to John Wright uh, With a, a brand new ball And uh, in the lead-up to a test match, I can't remember who was against, but uh, Heath was just a a schoolboy at that point. He bowled that quickly uh, to John Wright, but John Wright kicked him out of the net. He he said, this is is not the preparation. This is not, I'm in this net to try and get some confidence, and this guy is giving me the heebie-jeebies. So he he actually biffed him out of the net, and uh, someone else had to face him later on in the piece. But honestly, um, he was very, very fast, uh, slightly unpredictable, which makes net bowlers even more frightening. When you don't quite know where it's going from time to time and you feel so enclosed but heath davis was very very sharp when he let it go properly and when he was in his prime so uh, I, I wish him um, all the best uh, for what's coming forward in life and uh, yeah, i haven't seen it yet but i'm going to make a point to do just that right uh, patrick mckendry um we've seen what the Springboks have come up with and that is a lot of size a lot of physicality they've gone for a 6-2 split on the bench as well uh, how do the All Blacks reply with that?
11: Uh, hopefully with a few ideas, uh, Smithy, and perhaps more than we've seen so far lately from the All Blacks, uh, who I thought were very disappointing uh, against Ireland at times. And, you know, I've spoken about it before, but, uh, you know, I got the feeling in Wellington, watching that at the ground, is this it? You know, is this it from the All Is this as good as they can get, you know, in a, in a deciding test match? So very disappointing they need to obviously turn things around they've, they've had changes in terms of their coaches um whether that's going to be enough i'm not sure but, but they need a few ideas they need to get their attitudes right um i'm assuming that sort of they're based uh in near a game game reserve near kruger national park in fact in south africa very much a, a resort where they'll, they'll to themselves i'm assuming they'll adopt a sort of a siege mentality, come out firing. But uh, there won't be enough against the South African team who, who are pretty intelligent football players. Um, so, as I say, they need some ideas. They need to show, show us something different.
3: Well, Ian Foster's got to come up with those ideas. I, I think it's uh, fair to say Jason Ryan within the pack, of course. Um, very early days for him, Andrew. But on the back of uh, w- the comments from uh, Mark Robinson that uh, Ian Foster is definitely the right guy to take us to South Africa... Well, what are you thinking?
10: Well, that comment said it all, didn't it? There are there are no guarantees quite clearly over He had an opportunity, didn't he, to, to offer some guarantees over Ian Foster's future, and he simply wasn't prepared to give them. So um, the writing is on the wall in that regard. It's effectively turn up, or that might be it. Um, it's interesting, Pat, that you used the, used the term siege mentality. Um I think it's quite clear the All Blacks, and in particular Ian Foster, have already adopted a siege mentality. We're, in, in the media, we're seeing it already. There's a, there's a real shut-it-down-us-against-them sort of mentality over this. And, and, I, and I did want to talk about this this morning. I, I noticed there's been quite a lot of um, comments recently about the personal nature of some of the criticism levelled at, at Ian Foster in recent times. And I, I really take exception to that. Um, because from where I'm sitting, I, look, I think Ian Foster's a, a, a top guy, a really top guy. He's a he's a nice guy, um, and and I'm I'm not really here to tell you, and I, and I'm, because I I don't know at the end of the day um, what he is like as a coach because I I've, I've not been a player under Ian Foster, I've, I've not coached alongside him, so I can't tell you that, and I, I dare say none of us can probably do that either. But the point of all of this is. It doesn't matter if it was Ian Foster or Steve Hansen or Graham Henry or whoever you like. Any All Blacks coach who has the record that he has would be under scrutiny. And that is the, the plain fact of the matter. So the idea that this is somehow how turned into like a personal attack on, and on Ian Foster and everyone about to get Ian Foster. No, it's simply that the fans and I think the media expect better of the All Blacks coach. These are not re- results. Um, that are acceptable for any All Blacks team and any All Blacks coach. So I think it's really disappointing um, that people would, would take it in a way that, no, this is actually a personal thing against Ian Foster. I know that there's the Scott Robertson um, aspect that is on the fringes here, but I don't think anyone in the media would would want to see the All Blacks fail. They want to see them succeed. And when they aren't performing up to expectations, that's when the pressure comes on and the critique levels go up. And it's just it's just part of the job, I think, for Ian Foster or any All Blacks coach.
3: So, Patrick, I just wonder, what would you do with your loose forwards this weekend? I mean, admittedly, obviously he's not going to leave Sam Kane out. Sam Kane will lead the side out at number seven. What what are you thinking about that and your Scott Barrett strategy at six, etc. Yeah.
11: Good question. Yeah. Um, uh, just before I get into that quickly, I agree with Andrew wholeheartedly about this personal attack business I, I thought about it this morning, there was actually a report in the Herald which mentioned personal attacks and I just thought uh, I, I, I can't recall any any personal attacks at all um, I think it's all been uh, results based the criticism uh, but it's strange they're sort of leaking into the, the, the media and making those assumptions too now but on the loose forwards um, look, I, I think Scott Barrett probably has to start at 6 I think Arty so Vea has to start at 8. Obviously Kane will be at 7, um, which leaves, you know, obviously with Brody Retallick injured, not on tour, who do you play a lock? I think they'll probably have to go to uh, Patrick Tuukaluto, wouldn't they? Um, I think they need some um, big bodies in that pack, some, some uh, men who can handle the, the impact that these spots are going to uh, throw out and, and, and give some back themselves. So I think they need size and strength. So uh, I'm assuming that's sort of the way Foster will go. uh,
3: Andrew, just looking at uh, the Warriors, uh, I see they've uh, re-signed Andrew McFadden. Uh, Not this time in a head coaching role, but to to replace uh, Craig Hodges And his brief will be to uh, recruit talent, basically, and hold on to talent, more importantly. Uh, On the back of the news also that Tamari Martin has signed a three-year deal, and that has been confirmed. So here we've got McFadden working with Webster in a reverse-type role.
10: And yeah, it's back to the future, isn't it, Smithy? Um, I must admit I was gobsmacked, really, when, uh, when this release came through yesterday confirming that Andrew McFadden is coming back to the club. Should add to that, though, that my, my recollection and of my personal dealings with Andrew McFadden, excellent, excellent man, excellent man and, and an excellent operator. Didn't work out for him as a head coach, um, so that's what makes me a little bit intrigued, I suppose, about how he's coming back in a different role that may well suit his skill set um, down down to down to a T. Um, but yeah, it is when you're trying to be a progressive club and trying to move forward. I just wonder about the signal it sends to everyone involved in the club and, and even the fans. When, like I say, it's back to the future. We we had a coaching staff not that long ago that was. Andrew McFadden as the head coach, Andrew Webster and Justin Morgan as the assistant. Now we have Andrew Webster, the head coach, Justin Morgan as an assistant and Andrew McFadden coming in um, as head of recruitment. It's Look, it's up to those guys to, to put it out on the park, isn't it? Um, and I think the, the addition of Tamari Martin is a good one. I'm really intrigued to know some of the details around this move. Um, obviously, we know that Reese Walsh went to the Broncos um, uh, earlier, this day, or that deal was confirmed. And there was always sort of a sense that Perhaps the Warriors might get something back in return at some point. I'm really intrigued to know from Cameron George whether this is an indication of that um, because Tomati Martin was obviously off contract. So I'm not really sure how this can be sort of seen as part of the deal, whether they got perhaps first dibs on him or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, but look, they need someone like Tomati Martin because the options that are available um, among other teams in the competition in terms of bolstering your halves um, are very, very light. And look, at least with Tomitey Martin, you've got a, a, a Kiwi um, who wants to come home, wants to play for the club. And honestly, I think that is, these days, half the battle. In fact, possibly even more than half the battle for the Warriors when it comes to signing players. They need players who want to be there um, and have some sort of emotional and uh, connection and some pride in representing the club. I think Tomitey Martin will bring that. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see what sort of impact he can have on the halves next year, there's obviously going to be... Well, Sean Johnson is contracted, even though there is some speculation and um, rumour about his his future as well. Um, and then you've got the likes of Altman and Metcalf as well. It's going to be really interesting to see um, what combination Andrew Webster settles on when it comes to uh, the, first, the first game of the new season.
3: It's interesting to me, uh, Patrick, when you take on a brief like this these days, it's quite clear when we've seen what happened to the Warriors... Uh, coming to the Warriors now as an australian base player initially, uh, living the life that you have, and now coming back to the Warriors on the basis you're going to to and fro a lot more and base yourself in New Zealand, uh, it seems as if it has become a, an entirely um, different prospect uh, just the looking at the, the toing and froing, uh, Patrick.
11: <laughs> well, can, I, can I just say firstly that um, I'm, I'm pleased Andrew gave a very comprehensive answer there because I I've sort of switched off a little bit from <laughs> from the uh, Warriors. Uh, <laughs> um, but look, it, firstly in terms, look, they, they need quality. Um, they need a quality recruiter, obviously, because if, if if one thing is lacking in that team, it's it's quality talent and players, and they, so they need people in there and they need to retain them. So. If the new man on his return is going to do that, then brilliant. Um, that, that's a big plus. Um, as for Tomati to Martin, I'm not, I'm not too sure about him. I haven't, I haven't uh, got to be honest, I Haven't watched a lot of leagues uh, this year. But um, something needs to change, obviously, at the Warriors. Um, they're probably not finished changing yet. Uh, so I hope you know the, the, these tweaks, if you like, uh, do make a difference because uh, obviously they fulfil a very important role in terms of role models. Uh, in this country um, and you know, given everything they've gone through over the last few years that really they've propped up the NRL as well
3: Patrick McKendry, Andrew Gordy I've uh, taken too much of your time already this morning I know you're busy men so thank you very much for being uh, part of the panel an extended one this morning uh, and look forward to talking to both you guys uh, in the future uh, and more Editions of the panel uh, have a great uh, remainder of your day. It is 1025 here on SENZ. SENZ. Well, we're going to be talking very shortly to Sam Charlton. She's a former uh, black stick and a gold medal winning black stick at that uh, on the Gold Coast. Uh, champions when they knocked over Australia 4-1. What a result that was. Not quite the same result for uh, our uh, current equivalent uh, team four years later. Uh, knocked over by Australia 1-0 last night uh, in a game that uh, suggests was very close. Uh, I'll just uh, get Sam's uh, impressions on that. The commentators seem to think it was pretty much Australia domina- dominated. We shall see very shortly. Uh, and in the next hour, we'll be talking to uh, Dan Helengar, who is uh, North Harbour coach because the NPC starts on Friday night and I, for one, simply can't wait. In the meantime, here is the news for Ottawa at 10.30. I seem to, to want to
6: be back out there, but yeah, I've got really fond memories of those games. They're always very, very tight, very, very tough. Um, yeah, those are the sort of games that you, that you train all the time for.
3: Yeah, you know, over the years, you, know, you played uh, well in excess of 200 games for um, the Black Sticks. And I, I just wonder in that time, uh, was it always about Australia or not?
6: Oh, I think it's always one of those like hotly contested games and and a huge rivalry. I think it's one of those games that you you know can go either way. So it's often 50-50, just whichever team sort of turns up on the day and maybe has a little bit more luck. But in saying that, I mean, obviously some of the, the, the massive games are against some of those sort of big European nations as well, the likes of the Netherlands and Germany. But yeah, you didn't get sick of playing Australia, that's for sure.
3: Okay, so you certainly didn't get sick of them four years ago when you beat them uh, 4-1. Now, it wasn't so much a surprise that you won, but the margin, I think, was a surprise to a lot of people watching on because of the close nature of of the contests over the years. But that was a blowout. Tell us a wee bit about the memories of that that, uh, particular performance and your reaction to it.
6: Yeah, I suppose it wasn't um, maybe the result that everyone expected. We'd actually, similarly, similarly to the girls last night, had played australia in the pool round and we'd actually um drawn that game which seems to often happen at big tournaments we draw those pool games and so going into the final given it was a australia home final you know on the gold coast we probably expected to have then to have a little bit of the upper hand but we had just a really um a really solid game plan and we knew exactly what we needed to execute and it just so happened that every time we got an opportunity that the ball went in and I suppose as we gained a bit of momentum throughout the game, it, it did really feel like it was our game, and yeah, I just, um, I almost remember parts of that game like it was yesterday, it was a really special feeling.
3: Well, I remember too, because uh, the lead up to that, of course, uh, you had to beat England, uh, and you did that, uh, thinking a penalty shootout, and a lot of people thought that perhaps you might have played your final then, because of the pressure involved in that.
6: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, if there's someone that's followed the Black Six over the years, you'd know that. Penalty shootouts were not our forte for a very long time. That was actually maybe the first of about five or six um, quite big shootouts that we've been involved in. And so, yeah, I think there was definitely that risk that, you know, we'd kind of, um, we'd drawn that game the all and won a penalty shootout and maybe we'd hit that major milestone then. But, yeah, to come out again on that final day and, and everyone was, you know, pretty tired, pretty buggered from, from that England game. But you could just really see that everyone had this massive desire to, to win that final game.
3: How often do you reflect on it? Where, where is the medal? Is it on show?
6: Um, it's not probably where it should be on show, but quite recently um, I've been able to visit a few schools um, around Auckland and share my Olympic and Commonwealth experiences, and so it's been nice to be able to get it out of the box and share it with um, some young faces. But yeah, it's a it's a really special memory I think um, in international hockey uh, in my in my time. I didn't get the opportunity to win too many medals. It's, it's a pretty pretty hard thing to do um, at any tournament. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you re- definitely have to treasure those moments and those opportunities when you get them.
3: Sam, uh, how many players are uh, back in the squad that, when you won it, are still playing today in that crossover period?
6: So it's actually just four uh, from 2018. We've so got Olivia Mary, who's just played her 250th game and been there for... a a number of years and brings huge experience. You've got Grace O'Hanlon, who wasn't actually, um, she didn't play a lot on the, during the games, but she was the one that, the hero that came out for the shootouts and, and stopped the penalty shootouts against England. Uh, and then you've got Frances Davies and, and Karen Davies as well, who at the time in 2018 probably um, didn't get as much game time, certainly as they are now. They're real leaders in that group now, and they bring a lot of experience. So it's actually four is, is not many,
3: but it just kind of shows you how much can change in four years as well Right, Australia uh, won 1-0 last night I'd imagine you, you may well have watched it Or at least uh, taped it <laughs> and had a look at some highlights Anyway, uh, Sam 1-0 uh, looked uh, like it was a pretty close game I listened to the commentary uh, Leslie Murdoch was part of that And uh, I just wondered whether uh, it flattered us a wee bit Did we do enough in that game, do you think? Oh, I
6: don't think it was the best performance performances put out in the last couple of months. If you'd watched any of the World Cup games, you probably would have seen some um, some better performances from the girls. I mean, it's hard when you're on such a long trip, you're going to have highs and lows. And um, I suppose the pleasing thing from yesterday is whilst maybe the girls didn't play their best game, it was only 1-0 against one of the best um, nations in the world. Australia won a bronze medal at, uh, at the World Cup. And so... To be able to defend that well, and I think another real positive was that um, the new girls, I, I want to say we, I always say we, we didn't concede that too many corners, which at the World Cup, um, those numbers are starting to increase. So I think there's, although it wasn't the performance that I know that they would have wanted to put out there, they can be really, um, I suppose, proud of, of some of those things that they improved on and, and take some real positives into the next game.
3: Are they beatable, Australia, then, do you feel?
6: Yeah, I think they're beatable. If I'm putting my um, my quite, I suppose, judgmental hat on, I thought they um, didn't quite have the attacking prowess that we often see from Australia. So whilst they probably dominated the position in the middle of the field, um, you know, our defence are really up to the match and they actually weren't able to get many opportunities on goal. So if we can kind of put together a bit more position and a bit more attack going forward, then I have no doubt that when we meet them again in the final, uh, we'll be able to put, put
3: away a good performance against them When we meet them again in the final I like that, okay (laughs) Let's look at, before we meet them again in the final, we have to play South Africa uh, on Thursday night New Zealand time in a really important game Uh, What can we expect to see from South Africa?
6: Uh, They're a team um, that actually perform pretty well at the World Cup, so they're not a team that's involved in the pro League or or often in those um, sort of high level tournaments, but they're a team that will cause us a lot of problems. They've got lots of speed and often have a lot of um, individual skill and flair and they certainly um, caused a few teams at the World Cup a few problems and so it's definitely not a, a game that we can play, uh, take lightly. I think we saw that against Scotland where we won one nil, and Scotland um, started to have a few opportunities towards the end of the game. So, you know, whilst it might feel like we have one foot closer to the semi-finals, that last game will actually be really crucial and I think um, quite a tightly contested game.
3: Uh, the, the other sides that are probably very much in contention as well include uh, the hosts England or uh, maybe India as well uh, at this point anyway. Um, uh, where, do you, where do you see the other threat apart from Australia coming?
6: Uh, I think you know obviously in England and India I think if we're able to get past South Africa those will likely be one of the two teams that we meet in the semi-final and um, that seems to be pretty typical for com games. It often ends up being um, Australia, New Zealand, England and India. But in saying that, it was in 2014, uh, it was South Africa we played in the bronze medal game. So it's some of those teams that maybe aren't typically ranked in the top 10, you know, your Scotland, South Africans, um, over in the other pool, Canada, uh, they're, they're um, not unlikely to pull out an upset against the top team. So you do just have to be aware of those teams and once they get a bit of confidence, so if Canada were to win one of their next pool games and get towards the semi-final, then I think those would sort of be the teams you'd want to watch out for as their confidence grows.
3: Co-captains and uh, Olivia Mary, who you mentioned before with the experience, and uh, Megan Hull at the back, do you think that uh, that concept is working well?
6: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's nice to have that, um, that shared responsibility. It does take a lot of the pressure off an individual to kind of... Um, share that around and, and they're both Really natural leaders in their own right at, at very different ends of the field so you've got Olivia Mary up front and she'll be Making sure she really leads those strikers And those midfielders and then you've got Megan Hull absolutely holding it together at the Back she's a real rock in that defence and so I actually think it's quite a smart move to have A leader both up up the front And at the back of the field and they'll kind of Work with those players around them and They both bring um, different strengths to That role as well um, so yeah and the experience with Liv I don't think you can underestimate how important that is with a new group
3: well you represented uh, New Zealand Sam at uh, two Commonwealth Games three Olympic Games uh, and this is your first time away from it effectively in terms of the Commonwealth mm-hmm. Games itchy feet itchy feet? missing it
6: oh I would be lying if I said I didn't have itchy feet I'm a very um, loud supporter when I'm watching the TV I almost feel like I'm there coaching or about to go on the field so Whilst I, um, yeah, definitely needed a break, you know, both physically and mentally. I've been in the team for nearly twelve years. Um, yeah, I definitely watched and think, God, it would be nice to be out there.
3: So, what, what is Sam Chilton up to these days for your fans?
6: Um, I'm just uh, working. Uh, I work at my food bag, so I'm a, a nutritionist there, which I'm really enjoying. And um, recently, was just able to share with everyone that uh, my husband Marcus and I are expecting our. First children in December. We're we're um, expecting twins, which um, is going to be a completely new and different challenge in, in and of itself.
3: So some little hockey sticks on the way, yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might need a, a couple though, to have each other to play with. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, Sam, it looks like you're in, uh, enjoying life after uh, sporting retirement, anyway. And uh, nice to know that you got things and 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 the. W- the right way and uh, really well organised so congratulations on the twins hope everything goes well there and uh, thanks very much for uh, just reliving that moment for us when you won and uh, taking a look at the current side and have enjoyed chatting to you thank you
6: Thank you
3: Cheers, Sam Charlton there, uh, former Black Stick gold medal winning Black Stick about to be a mother of two Wow, uh, busy life uh, all of a sudden uh, 10.44 here on SENZ uh, just two or three texts uh, have come in. Uh, one from uh, Dan. In fact, two from Dan. Uh, well, uh, well said, Andrew, on the cycling review matter. And not to put it aside after this game's success, a great point, uh, Dan. And uh, Andrew Gordy was making the point that uh, even though the track cycling campaign has been ultra successful, it doesn't mean to say the job is done in terms of uh, reviewing the processes behind in New Zealand cycling. Um, And just a step along the way, but it is uh, a nice return, and it's nice to see them in the headlines for uh, another reason. Uh, Dan also goes on to say, "I remember umpiring Davis and senior reserve game in the hut. Uh, This is Heath Davis, who's uh, just come out uh, not long ago as uh, New Zealand's first openly gay cricketer at at uh, international level, put it that way. Uh, I called him, uh, Dan said, I called him for seven no balls in a row." His captain ended up fielding right next to me to watch the front foot to make sure that I wasn't uh, stitching him up. Uh, So, yeah, Dan, uh, he was a little bit unpredictable, Heath Davis, but, man, he could bowl fast, and that was uh, the problem there that uh, when you're on the receiving end, if it hit you, it hurt. It's as simple as that. Uh, Chris uh, comes in with quite an interesting observation too. Uh, I reckon Foster is in a no-win situation. If the Fords fire up and we win, it will be the new forward coach, Jason Ryan, getting all the credit. If not, it'll be Foster's fault again So, yeah, I think it's a pretty Good point too, Chris 10.51, we'll be back with Louis Herman Watt And the TAB, Put Morris, very shortly
4: Summer or winter He's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith On SCNZ.
6: The Loveracing.nz update Your home for everything Thoroughbred racing Visit Loveracing.nz Racing's biggest fan
3: Nine races today First goes at 11.53 out of the Cambridge Synthetic Meeting And I like one of the first Rock Dancer, $2.50 at the moment Out of the uh, Ritchie and Murray Barn Ridden by Sam Weatherly But you will like something else, Louie, I know Rock
1: Dancer Wowee Second up For Sammy Weatherly and sure. Hey, um, i tell you what, actually The Ritchie-Murray combo They've had them absolutely firing on the Synthetic Al Rockamere. Yeah, you could do a lot worse there, Swizzy. I don't mind it at all. And actually, in, in race three, I tell you what, another one that's been going great guns, another barn that's been going really well on the synthetic is Ben Foot's team and Cathay Empress in particular. She's already won two races here. She had seven of her nine starts on the sim. Today, I think in race three, she's an excellent bet. McNab up for Ben Foot. Race three, number three. And then a couple more I don't mind. I think maybe the best horse racing today, well, she could go on to have a very nice career. And there's a couple of nice ones in this race, including Dun Eagle, Supreme Calm, Cope Core. uh, What else do we have here? Dane Vera, who Robbie Patterson has an opinion of. But Alchemia has done good things in a young career to date. Nine starts for the five-year-old mare. So lightly raced. Never run, uh, run a race on the synthetic, but did trial up really well on the synthetic and she's being backed in. So uh, opened at $3 into $2.20 and in race eight, the one I really like today. And oh, wee, the money is still coming. One power trial trialed up so well for Stephen Ortridge. Gets the claim of Maria Sampson who can ride up in race number eight. And look, I just thought this horse, uh, the, the horse that was racing against and running past when it was racing, uh have gone on to have good careers. So there's form around it. A long layoff to power gelding. But when he trialled up and just hard under a hold, kept powering through the line, no one missed it, 4 dollars into $3.00. Now that is a proper plunge. Hopefully we can get it up and the bookies can bleed.
3: Yep, uh, nothing better to look at than a bleeding bookie, I think it's fair to say. And as we hop across with the... Uh, to, uh, from Louis to the TAB Where we catch up with Pip Morris That wasn't directed at you uh, Pip by the way um, It's just the bookies themselves Not the people that uh, not, We're not shooting the messenger here But today Palmerston North Greyhounds 12 races beginning just after midday
6: Good morning, Jeff Smithy. You they certainly are. I found it a really tricky day to actually find a best on the program, but I'm going in race number three, Big Time Rua. She won beating a similar field last start, has the early speed, I think, to hang on over the 375 metres, and I don't mind one in race number two called Go Audrey. There's just a couple of wide runners to her outside. She's at tens and $2. Thought she was really nice value. Sports side of things, Smithy as well. Of course, we do look forward to more NRL this weekend. $5,000 on the Roosters head-to-head against the Broncos. And, of course, the Broncos now with no Patrick Carrigan. So the Roosters do look a really nice play there at $1.71, 5000 on them. And 2000 on the Roosters to cover the three-and-a-half-point start at a $1.90. And just quickly, $1,000 on the All Blacks match result as well at $2. Of course, not going in as the favourite Smithy against South Africa, but I suppose it's no real surprise. Uh, the way they
3: went against the Irish Absolutely right Pip Uh, I think you're right, I think $2 is good hunting if you're an All Black fan and plenty will will take up on that Uh, It's uh, Dan Hellangar who we spend uh, some time with after the break
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ 11.03
3: here on SCNZ and the NPC season gets underway for 2022 uh, this weekend and one of the highlights of the opening round of uh, Provincial Rugby will be the Battle of the Bridge Saturday night, 7.05, Eden Park, North Harbour take the trek across to take on uh, their slightly more fancied rivals according to the TAB at this point anyway plus uh, Counties Manukau didn't play beyond uh, week two last season Um, they will be looking to get their season underway as well uh, it's a time of the year I love about rugby, um, it's just a, got a good feel about um, the, the future, where it's coming from, and also the passion that exists in our provinces, it's uh, really something quite special to experience, and uh, as I said, North Harbour begin with a, a toughie this weekend uh, at Eden Park, and uh, on the line uh, to talk about their squad this year and their prospects, as uh, Coach Dan Who, Dan, good morning to you, thanks for your time. Morning, Siddhii. Mate, um, I was just going to say Sometimes when you plan for a new season You reflect on the last one quite heavily But really, um, the last one for you uh, Didn't really exist
12: No, definitely not From a on-the-field point of view But uh, one thing we did do Is, is work really hard you know, In and out of lockdowns and, and there was a lot of resilience shown by our group We weren't able to put that out in the field But you know, I saw it you know, Guys training in small groups or whatever we were allowed to do here in Auckland uh, during that lockdown last year and, and they were just chomping at the bit to get out there. So for for many of our guys it's been a 12 month pre-season. Uh, Saturday night and they get to get out there.
3: How do you feel Luke, that's come together this time around and, and and the feeling within the group, Dan?
12: The feelings, it's like it is most years with North Harbour. The guys are just, just really eager. Uh, look, and I, Like you, I, I love the NPC, I love what it brings, and uh, there's a you know there's a a culture at Harbour where they don't take anything for granted. There's a, a love of the game, a passion for the game, that you, know, you do get at this level, and for some of our super guys coming back, they get to impart some of their experience upon some of the younger guys, and we also uh, get these younger guys who just uh, just want to be there, and you know it's a lot of fun for a lot of people, but at the same time we do some hard work.
3: Let's look at uh, your squad for this year, Dan. And uh, what does it differ from in terms of last year and uh, availability of key players for you? your hired high, uh, highly uh, rated uh, All Blacks, etc. What are you exper- expecting there?
12: Yeah, I think that for us, it's the old and the new sort of coming together. Uh, we've, you know, we're very uh, passionate about our region and getting some players back. Over the years, a few have drifted away, and we've. Managed to bring a few back, so Tavita Lee's back from Santori. Uh, he's been a um, in Japan for about five years and uh, earning more money than all of the rest of the team put together. But um, you know, Tavita Lee and, and Mark Talia is back from Tasman as well uh, on the back of his successes at Super Rugby uh, and Ray Noya uh, amongst a couple of others, who've come back from overseas. Uh, so a little bit of experience coming back into the side, uh, and then. Uh, you know some really good young names from the region that you know, the viewers won 't know just yet, but uh, hopefully over this next month you get, um, get to see them running around and start to you, know, you see what guy's like jed Melvin a kid from he 's a kid from up the coast here, um, loves his rugby, and he 's you know, really eager to represent his region.
3: Dan, you mentioned the old uh, and the new coming together. You're right there. I, I took a quick look, look through your squad, and I look at uh, some of their ages, I, I counted at least 14 players. I think uh, 22, uh, tw- uh, 22, or maybe less.
5: Yeah,
12: that's right, Smithy, I think that's you know it's a changing face of New Zealand rugby, and it's you know smart men like yourself are going to have to address this situation. It's, it's, you know, there's, a, there's a player drain there's a, everyone talks about the coach drain as well overseas so we're having to bring younger and younger players into the MPC uh, and then they, you know, they they spend eight months a year on the tools or in academies and, and you know doing different things and then they go up and butt heads with super rugby players so my challenge is to get these 20 year olds ready to go and up and ready to play against um, you know some of the blues players that I've been coaching all year so I know how good some of these Auckland players are as well, and um, yeah, and that's that's a challenging NPC. That's why everyone loves it, um, but it is it is a significant challenge, and um, and we have to jam it all into a short period of time.
3: So, Dan, in terms of uh, preparation, how much uh, opportunity have you had? I mean, for instance, do you let the uh, the club players play their full seasons out in terms of their playoffs and finals and that before you, you grab them as such, or are you able to sort of use them uh, or or get close to them and have them in the the group uh, as you prepare?
12: If I took our players out of out of club rugby, I'd probably have my head on a stake somewhere. <laughs> the clubs at North Arbor are really uh, passionate, proud people, um, so... And we want them to play rugby. So they're out there. That's their job is to play rugby. So we even had you know, club final a couple of weeks back. We had Bryn Gatland. Uh, they're guiding Tukapuna uh, to, to a victory. Um, he's lost a few club finals. So, look, I'm a firm believer that guys need to be playing club rugby and they need to be playing as much rugby as they can. There's only so much we can teach them on the training field and uh, they learn out there and in, in the battle and the thick of things. So, um, look, and I know that's not the position of all provinces and they can probably afford to do that. Uh, yeah, our foes this weekend, I know that Auckland ring fans, you know, a bunch of players that don't play club um, and they, you know, they upset a few people along the way but we're lucky that yeah, we've got a good relationship with our clubs. Um, we know what's important to them and they know that we need our guys at certain times as well to get them ready so um, there's always a push and pull between the professional game and the amateur game and I think we all need to work together um, if we're going to make this game you know, continue to thrive.
3: What what I like about uh, the squad is in a lot of areas you seem to have a a really key experienced element there that these youngsters can glean information from. I I think it's got a nice balance about it, Dan. If I look at the pivots in particular, you mentioned Bryn Gatland, then with a couple of younger guys underneath him. You look at the nines, you've got Jamie Booth with a couple of younger guys uh, underneath him to, to glean information from, to learn from, to train with. Um, so, you, you, having said that, you, you're going to expect a lot from your experience, guys.
12: Yeah, yeah, we will. We will, yeah. I think yeah, Brent Hall has yeah, been a great servant of our province over the years, and he's, uh, he's done amazing things, not just at MPC, but also, obviously, at Super Rugby. He's, uh, he's off to Japan, so it was really important that we um, replaced him with someone experienced, We could, you know, we don't want to expose some of these young guys to too much either, the things they're not ready for and, you know, we want to set them up to succeed and so if we can have some really experienced faces around guys like Sean Stevenson who's off the back of a really good Maldives campaign um, and then some old heads up front, um, Nick Mayhew he's been around the the union long enough to have have seen the coaches play I think so he's he's there and he can teach some of these younger front rowers um, what it takes at this level and you know, an area of the game that'll be really important this weekend. Yeah, Alex Hodgman, he's he's someone who'll be out there trying to mess up our scrum. So, um, yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. We need to get some experienced heads. We we don't have the 30 Super Rugby players that some of the unions have, the, the Auckland and the Canterbury's. But um, but yeah, we sprinkle them through, and and hopefully we've got the balance right.
3: Well, if you can get parity um, and, and get some decent platforms up front. You've got to like the look of uh, Talia Stevenson and Tavita Lee with ball in hand, don't you?
12: Yeah, we do. We definitely do. But, um, you know, people such as yourself who watch a lot of rugby know that the back three don't often win rugby games. (laughs) They can certainly finish things off. Um, But, yeah, you're right. Our pack, particularly our type five, uh, need to to give us a platform to play off. And they will. They will. will. They've been... They've been pretty good over this pre season. We've we've managed to see them over the last couple of weeks and um yeah, some some guys that people won't recognise too much. But we've got a few guys have some experience with Minor. Uh, minor's probably helped us in in keeping another six of our guys um busy with the rugby earlier in the year. So a little bit more uh a little more experience, a few more full time professionals in our group. So but we might be underdogs, as you said, the T A B. Um, have us as underdogs, and and we deserve that tag. But um, this is a very important game to us, so we'll be giving it everything.
3: Can you um, can you have access and and use Carl Toonukawafi before he goes? Is that is that possible? I see his name in the squad. How much can you use him? In? And you've got of course you've got Alex Vidao out of Wellington as well.
12: Yeah, Carl's um, Carl. Yeah, a few people probably don't realise his knee was not great when he was with the All Blacks. He's had a little clean up. He's, uh, yeah, so he had a little clean-up in his knee on Friday. Um, so he's still a while away for us, um, which is unfortunate. He, he loves playing for Harbour as well. Harbour's where he got his opportunity. And and that's where we turn a guy like Alex, who's you know, been with the Hurricanes in Wellington for years and um, hasn't gotten to where he needed to or wanted to be. So he's come to us looking for an opportunity as well and, and a very different player to someone like Carl. Um, but very exciting young talent and I think if we can, if we can unlock some of the, the tighter play in him, I know he's got it in him to, to do some of the tight stuff then what he can do in the loose is um, you just don't get from front rolls typically so, so yeah excited about what Alex can get to as well um, he'll add a lot for us you know, over this season
3: uh, Daniel with Steve Jackson and uh, Ben Afiaki, Afiaki of course, uh, can you tell us how you split those roles up within the group?
12: Yeah, Steve of this, he's a kaumatua of sorts He's he was the head coach uh, When I first started And he's, and he's taken Ben Asiaki along with him uh, When he was coaching Samoa And so the three of us have coached together a lot um, Steve is our defence coach And he, he leads a lot of the cultural side And the enjoyment of the game for us uh, Ben is our forwards coach And he's, you know, at the Blues level, Ben uh, just does the scrum and break down a few other things, but uh, here he gets to lead the forward unit, uh, and it's not just him getting to uh, to help some young guys, but a really good development opportunity for him as he progresses in his coaching career. Um, but yeah, two of the two of the best coaches I've worked with, and I guess it's one area at Harbour we think that we get some experience, as you said, and we try and get the best coaches we can, and and then develop them. Um, why not have the budget or or the, the squads that other teams have, but we think we can still be really competitive um, prioritising
3: in those areas. OK, just, uh, I know what you're going to say, one game at a time, and uh, you haven't gone past uh, Auckland uh, and uh, Saturday night, but there is a little matter of possibly a shield challenge uh, on the 27th of August. So, aspirations, aspirations for this year, Dan, for you and your group?
12: Um, just one game at a time, Smith. No, <laughs> just... Look, I think uh, it's funny. We had the Battle of the Bridge breakfast this morning, and um, and the Auckland guys were saying there's only two questions they get asked in the, the season: did they win the competition, and did they win the Battle of the Bridge. And uh, when you're in North Harbour, you only get asked one question, and that's did you win the Battle of the Bridge. So this is this is a really important week for us, and it's probably why we've had a bit of success over the last few years because we do put so much into this into this round. Um, as far as the season goes. Oh, we'll be disappointed if we don't make that semi-final. You know, that's probably where we're aiming. Um, yeah, we're very much against the odds. We like being against the odds sometimes, really. Mm. Um, helps us just that extra little bit of motivation. But, you know, if a few things go right, we'll need a bit to go right in that time. Um, but, yeah, if we can get a few things right, then, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, at the pointy end of the season, we'll be putting ourselves in the mix.
3: I wouldn't. I'd hate to think. And I'm. I'm just looking at consistency here. And I'm looking at um, the total setup that you've got there or, uh, in your North Harbour um, <coughs> top team. Look here. And I, I'm looking down the page at people that are in the support group as well. I would hate to think how many uh, North Harbour players, John Mayhew and Spy Kelly, have either fixed or outfitted over the years. <laughs> but I see they're still going. Those old. Those old buggers are still going.
12: Oh yes. It's the funny thing about North Harbour, once you get to a place like John Mayhew, people start coming and asking you to do things for free, so John's, uh, yeah, look, it's a place where people go full circle as well. You know, a lot of us, we got our first opportunity, and um, we might not be from the region, partly like myself, you know, I'm an Australian, don't tell anyone, so many, but I'm Australian, and um, my first opportunity was with North Harbour, um, back in 2014, to play a few games, and um, look, so I've got a, a loyalty to the union. I like what we stand for. Um, but yeah, a lot of us go full circle and end up back there, and Spy's the only one who's the constant. He's never less, and I don't think he will ever leave.
3: Um, nah,
0: but
12: yeah, it's, uh, you know, plenty of experience in the, the back room as well, you're right to me.
3: Good on you, Dan. Uh, been great catching up with you, uh, mate. Normally, I only get to talk to you for 30 seconds at half time. So, hey, all the best for the Battle of the Bridge uh, this weekend uh, and uh, also throughout the season as you continue to develop what looks to be a, a really good mixture of old and young and quite exciting. Look forward to uh, getting to know some of those new names. All, all the best, mate. Thank you for your time.
12: Cheers. Thanks,
3: Cheers to, uh, Dan. Cheers. Dan there, who was uh, with uh, North, Har- North Harbour. Uh, The coaching set up there is very strong. As he said, Steve Jackson, Ben Afuaki is learning the trade, but uh, very experienced. And, uh, of course, a career that was cut short uh, due to uh, issues. But uh, Ben Afuaki uh, will add a lot to that front row and uh, that forward pack, you can imagine. They'll be tough, North Harbour. They'll be tough, particularly when they're at home. Um, And don't be surprised if they give Auckland a good old run for their money Saturday night, 7 o'clock or 5 past 7 at Eden Park. Uh, Later in the hour, we'll, we'll be talking to andy thompson now uh, that's interesting because uh, andy's got uh, a new show coming up midweek show it's uh, going to be on wednesdays between 12 and 1 on all frequencies throughout the country barring auckland and wellington so all you rural areas you'll be able to hear andy thompson between 12 and 1 and you'll be able to hear him on our show coming up at 11:45 this morning when we check out what he's got in store for show number one
4: this is mornings with ian smith on SENZ.
3: And It's 11.23 and of course uh, the Black Ferns are inching closer to uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup So uh, it's uh, always important that we keep up to date what's going on Uh, Yesterday Mark Stafford managed to grab hold of Wayne Smith Which is a very hard thing to do actually uh, And uh, get him uh, on the end of a microphone and ask him some uh, questions about where he thinks they're at Um, One of the uh, issues that they were talking about is the Farah Palmer Cup And it's playing style
5: I I watch a lot of the Farah Palmer Cup now, Smithy, and just year on year, the, the depth seems to be going well, and I was speaking about it on the show yesterday, and there's, some, there's even some schoolgirls playing Farah Palmer Cup, and it, it just looks like the base of the talent that's going to be provided for the future of our Black Ferns is growing really nicely. What What are you making of the skill set of the youngsters that you've been watching?
13: Yeah, it's, it's quite obvious, isn't it, that, that it's a gross game. I, I think there are maybe about 150 girls in the South Palmer Cup under the age of 20, sure. something like that, uh, which is outstanding for the game. Um, and, you know, we've got um, Sylvia Brunt, for example, out of Mount Avoc Grammar, who's 18, and, um, you know, she, she became a first-choice bar for us during the during the um, um, Pac-4 Kaipo Olsen Baker Yana Makale these are young women who are really um, developed quickly and uh, able to play the game that we want to play so we're we're trying to play a really fast game we know that playing a traditional game is probably not going to cut the mustard against teams like England and France so we're using you know, what our country's good at, um, we're sort of reinventing ourselves, we're um, using our talents and our skill level to change the game a wee bit, and you've seen that actually at the Farrah Palmer Cup, I'm really, I'm really pleased with the coaches and, and the high-performance hubs around the country working with these women, and they've bought into a lot of the stuff that we're doing and applying it really well, you know, in their team, so... It's, it's really
5: promising. Yeah, that's what I. That's what's really attracted me to the women's game is um, the way they play and the support play and the offloads and I was like, Gee, it's just so good to watch. The lack of box kicks that has been um, pepper, peppering <laughs> the men's game. It's just the balls and play the whole time. It's fantastic. Is it
13: that obvious? Yes, why, mate.
5: Why I hate to the box kicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan.
13: <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, um, no. I come from a um, place where essentially I I, I want to give um, our kicking strategy needs to be really you know, like positive attacking. Yeah. So I'd rather kick to our hands, directly to our hands with a kick pass or if we're going to kick the space make it bounce three times because then that gives you an opportunity to get a counter chance. So they, they'll probably, if, if they get to the ball first, they're probably going to kick it back hurriedly to us, and we'll be set up for a counter or we get to make the tackle and and maybe get a, a turnover off that that we can counter-attack off or we can push them into touch and have a quick, you know, quick throw in. So those are our strategies and again, a lot of the women around the country are starting to get used to that and you're seeing you know, a lot of positive intent in, in the kicking game as well as the general attack.
3: Yep, the old kicking game, uh, and he's right, the accuracy of the kicking game and turning over possession there is uh, absolutely huge. Uh, of course, he's also uh, named a squad, uh, Wayne Smith, for the upcoming uh, series against uh, Australia. That is uh, for the O'Reilly Cup, and, and it includes um, a couple of uh, Commonwealth Games, Sevens bronze medalists and Teresa Fitzpatrick and Tyler Nathan Wong. And uh, speaking of Tyler Nathan Wong, he had
5: some thoughts on that as well talking to head coach of the Black Ferns, Wayne Smith. Last question, I just wanted to ask you about Tyler Nathan Wong, obviously very well known on the seven circuit, and you've named her as an outside back. I'm pretty sure in last year's Farrah Palmer, she played halfback for uh, Northland. Where do you see her slotting in?
13: Um, yeah, we see her as a nine slash 15. Um, pro- probably more a halfback. I'm not quite sure why she was named in the outside backs, but that's the way it was written down on the sheet, I think. Okay. Um, so she, see, she sees herself as either a 9 or a 15, um, and and we look at her as, um, you know, a possibility. It, it's difficult with the 7s women, um, because clearly they're, at firstly they they're really great people and, um, and great 7s players. It's difficult then translating that to what that's going to look like in 15s. I know myself when I was playing 7s from New Zealand and coming back, into 15s. There's a transition period that takes a wee while. So there's going to be a bit of guesswork there. Um, Tyler and Theresa Fitzpatrick get to play in the first test against Australia or, or take a part in that. Um, the other seven girls aren't available to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's a, and it's a competitive process now with a lot of our other 15s women already having put their form on the track. So there'll be a wee bit of soul-searching, I guess, from from us um, selectors about how many we take, if we take any, and um, what positions they'll play.
5: Brilliant, Wayne. Well, can't wait for this series and uh, the Laurie O'Reilly series, very important competition for both us and Australia. I'm pretty excited by the team you've named. Uh, Looking forward to it, mate, as I'm sure you are.
13: I am, yes. It's um, a wonderful group to coach. I've I've got to make that point, Uh, these are smart women who have had to struggle to get to that position. You know, they, they all work. We've got lawyers, teachers, students. Um, they love the jersey because they've had to work so hard for it. And are a great, great group to coach.
3: Yeah, he sounds enthusiastic, doesn't he? With the professor, as they're calling him, Wayne Smith. Um, and <clears throat> what a great move that it has turned out to be. Um, and uh, I'm not saying anything... Uh, saying disparaging about Glenn Moore because I don't know the whole situation there and I found Glenn Moore a, a terrific guy to deal with myself and uh, a pretty fine coach as well too um, but uh, when it was decided that uh, he had to go for various reasons uh, they needed to find a guy that would come in and get immediate respect, get the attention of the room and then take it forward from that point onwards absolutely no doubt about it Uh, They look like, uh, with the games that they've had so far, and they're unbeaten under Wayne Smith, they really do enjoy playing for him. They like having Graham Henry around in the mix as well. So uh, it looks, uh, even though NZR have been under a lot of criticism in a lot of areas of late, they might have pulled the right rein there. It is 11.31 here on SENZ. 11.31. Uh, We're about to go to the news with Aroha, but just enough time to invite you to call us on 0800 150811, 0800 150811, it is uh, time on this Wednesday to stump Smithy and see if you can get 50 bucks worth of product from the TAB and their product is money
8: Ian Smith's had a good match here, stumped by Smithy Ian Smith really is top class at his job
0: Yes, it's time for Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Pat up and grab your bats, folks. It's time to test yourself with some sporting knowledge against Ian Smith. And Smithy, of course, $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. I Just a little pep talk here, mate. I'm really keen for a stumping after watching uh, Izzy Gaze this morning and just sort of seeing the future of the White Ferns wicket-keeping. You know, coming from that to the great man that you are with the gloves. Let's get a stumping (laughs) here today, mate. I'm not quite sure what to make of that, actually, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think I've got
3: a, a lot to do, a lot of, a lot to work on in terms of my sporting knowledge, in terms of winning this competition on a daily basis. And I think uh, Izzy Gaze has got a little bit to work on, too, with her wicket-keeping side of it, as was acknowledged by the head coach, Ben Sawyer. She's a work in progress, uh, and she's got huge shoes to fill in the form of Katie Martin. So, yeah, we wish her all the best with that, but she's going to have to be up to speed because <laughs> keeping to those uh, leg spinners, et cetera, is not an easy thing to pick up on.
0: For the record, I'm not calling you a work in progress, by the way. <laughs> uh, I am. <laughs> like, well, we all are.
3: Every, are uh, that's the thing.
0: That we, when we wake up every morning, we are a work in progress.
3: Um, and and I, I think that we should all acknowledge that. There's, we're, never the complete, um, we're never the complete item, Logan. Never the complete item. Um, and so that's why we play this stupid game every day and I get pummeled most <laughs> days as well.
0: So, okay, let's, um, let's uh, talk to, uh, who are we talking to first, by the way? Well, we'll see how, what the quality of deliveries are like today from me. But first up at the crease, we have Wade from Christchurch. Come in, Wade. Morning, guys. G'day,
3: Wade. How's it going down there? All right? Oh,
11: stunning, Shining Smithy. Bit of wind around, but she's all right.
3: Oh, that's okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, Logan, what have we got on the agenda today? If you say Commonwealth Games, Commonwealth Games, or Commonwealth Games, I'm going to come down the microphone and smack you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the categories, but uh, there are two more categories there. Yes, there is Commonwealth Games. There's also boxing and NPC rugby up for grabs. Take your pick, Wade. Um, We'll
1: try NPC rugby.
0: All right. Good luck to you both. (laughs) <laughs> Come down the microphone, I like that Alright, first question for you Wade The current MPC competition was formed in 2006 Which union has won the most titles?
11: I've oh, been across each I we'll have to say Canterbury
0: That's a couple of chips down to make it right in the slot and the it goes Yeah, to be fair, I'd be really surprised if you got that wrong, Smithy
3: no, I had that and under control, so um, that's one that goes begging, and I don't know, normally know more than one a day, so things are. Uh, uh, it's going well for
0: Wade at this point. <laughs> all right, second question might be a little bit tougher. We'll see how we go. Which team did Taranaki beat 36 32 to win the 2014 MPC Premiership? <sighs> uh, what year was it? Sorry, Sorry. 2014. Beat the Waikato. One
2: of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Yeah, when I test these questions on Brian, as I do every morning, Waikato was his guess as well. Incorrect. Smithy, over to you.
3: They would have beaten that year. They would have beaten that year Hawke's Bay. One of the
0: worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, Tasman Marco once again coming up and stumped fins up. Well, they didn't. They didn't have the fins up in that game. To be fair, uh, Taranaki won. Last question, Wade. Everything's still on the line with the fifty dollars TAB bonus bet. This is going. This this is some history here for you. What year was the Ranfurly Shield first contested? Wait. 1908. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Bizarrely, that was also Brian's guess when he when uh, he was tested this morning. Smithy, up to you. Right. Okay.
3: Well, this uh, Ranfurly Shield was pre- presented to the Rugby Union by Lord Ranfurly. Now, I worked alongside this damn thing the other day uh, while Hawke's Bay were uh, were defending it against Poverty Bay. I looked at I look at the sh- I look at the, some of the details on it at, from time to time because it's right next to me, and I read an article. Now this is I've, I've got two th- two years in my mind here. I've either got 1902 in my mind or 1905 in my mind, and for some reason uh, I'm going to go this time. I'm going to go the latter, 1905.
0: One of the worst things I no, have ever no. seen
2: done on a cricket
13: field.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, you're gonna. Uh, you might be jumping down that microphone now, Smithy. Um, the correct answer is 1904, oh. when Wellington <sighs> beat Auckland six three at Alexandra Park. Alexandra
3: Park in Auckland. Park.
0: Wow, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. there you go, Wade. Yeah. Uh, I guess by default, there you win. You win. Stumped. The uh, fifty-dollar uh, $50 TAB bonus bet. Congrats, mate. <laughs>
8: I'll
0: take. I'll take it. I won't take it. Yes, you yeah, will.
3: You're from Christchurch. Much, you will. Yeah, we'll well, take it. You're from Christchurch. Hey, hey, Wade. I've got to say, um, I, I don't know which part of Christchurch you actually live in, but have you been to or been past the the old Jade Stadium? And and what does it look like now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been involved with junior club rugby
8: down there for a number of years, and I went past the day and it's, it's amazing. It Looks great.
11: We hope
3: hopefully we utilise it to its full potential. So uh, the only thing I understand that's left there is, is uh, like the, the gates, the number one gates. Is, is that
11: pretty
3: the, much? Yeah, right? the original gate. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Well, it's fantastic that uh, the council have decided to preserve it there and uh, use it for the people. I think that's a wonderful move. Uh, well done, mate. Uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the fifty bucks, Brian. Uh, we'll get your details. Stay on the line. We'll get that money to you as soon as possible. Cheers, eh?
8: really.
3: Cheers. So uh, have uh, a great remainder of the day. Right, take a short break. And when we come back, as I said, we shall be talking to Andy Thompson about Rural Roundup.
4: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: Uh, 11.45, and we have uh, an exciting new show starting uh, each and every Wednesday between 12 and 1. It is the Rural Roundup. It's uh, presented by the very well-known and popular Andy Thompson who has uh, a studio set up uh, at home and uh, went across to Andy very shortly. Uh, listeners in uh, areas outside of Auckland and Wellington, in other words, uh, in all of, a lot of the rural areas, are able to pick up the show on our normal frequencies. Um, but if you uh, want to stay in those other areas, uh, you can listen to Afternoons with Staffy via the app, via the app. So uh, they're the technical uh, side of things. Uh, the principal side of things that I'm looking at Andy Thompson, with it's behind him over his shoulder... Uh, he has a Crusaders flag, uh, and it looks like it's a very, very Canterbury-type studio you've got set up there, Andy.
14: G'day, Smithy, How are you, mate? Well, I'm not in Canterbury actually. I'm in Greymouth, believe it or not. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but uh, broadcast. Yes, I know. I know. You,
3: I know you're from Greymouth. I, I know. Um, uh, but really, could you not have Tasman or, or something of that nature? You're pretty close to there.
14: Uh, well, yeah. Look, it's I've, I'm i fortunate, mate. I get to support uh, Crusaders in the uh, in the Super Rugby. I get to support the mighty Marco in the NPC, and on top of that, in the whichever cup it is, I can never remember. I get to support the mighty mighty West Coast. So um, I get three teams, three bites at the cherry, and I love every second of every one of them.
3: Yeah, they're all winning uh, franchises as well, or winning unions as well, with great proud histories. Uh, Andy, I, I, I've got to confess, I listen to you on Sunday mornings when I'm on the way to golf, okay, so it's uh, my porter call on Sunday mornings, and I love the combative conversations you have with some of our politicians and leaders, I enjoy that.
14: Yeah, well, it's it's a big part of um, it's a big part of rural advocacy, Smithy. I mean, it's a big part of you know, like farming and rural is such an important part of our economy, and and there's so much going on in farming at the moment, and that's why I think um, that a show like the Rural Roundup is important. And I think you have to ask um, these people, the the politicians or the people making the decisions, the really really hard questions and put, really put the pressure on them because farmers are feeling. Rightly or wrongly And I don't know how you feel about it But feeling overwhelmed at the moment With the compounding nature Of some of these changes that are being forced on Mm -hmm. them Through government policy Some right, some wrong, I don't know But but you've got to dig into it And try and um, just get the answers
3: Well Andy, uh, my wife is from a farming family So uh, my father-in-law is still farming At the age of 80 plus So he's old school uh, so you can imagine some of his thoughts around those issues you're just talking can about. Imagine, can I get him
14: on, Smithy? Can I get him on? I think it would be, or, or would the dump button come out too much?
3: No, I don't know if the dump button would come out. You'd have to talk dog trolls with them too, Andy. Uh, so oh, <laughs>
14: be, would, I don't know much be- I don't know much about dog trolls. Hey, um, on the show today, uh, I'm going to start yeah. off with an issue. And someone that's coming from your region, actually, I got a Facebook post the other day. This guy by the name of Chris Reeve, 33 years old, looking for a job, right, wants a job. And you know what, how, 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 how much we're crying out for staff all around the country and particularly in the Hawke's Bay, but all other places. He can't get a job smithy, though, because he smokes a joint, and he admitted it. He said, basically, "Um, I'm 33 years old, I have my own transport, I'm after full-time work, please, Um, I'm not bothered, whatever work it is, so long as it pays, oh, and I will not pass a drug test as I smoke weed. Can we afford to chuck these guys out? You know, what do we need to do? So we're looking at that on today's show.
3: That's an extremely interesting issue. I I would say quite an emotive issue as well. I would have thought there was a time, Andy... You couldn't get a job unless you did. (laughs)
14: <laughs> Depends on Yes exactly But health and safety rules Smithy All of these rules You know people are so scared now To take a chance And, and you know I ask him actually I'm going to ask him How many other people he knows Are in the same boat as us. You know we've got 100,000 people On the Job Seeker Benefit um, Potentially available for work How many of them Are in this situation So we're going to Have a look at that We're going to talk to Lance Boudet about it And we're also going to talk to A rural lawyer uh, from, uh, from, the, from Hamilton Jackie Owen Jackie Owen's legal to have a look at the legal implications. But I'm really excited as well, Smithy. We're going to have our Rural Hero of the Week, our inaugural Rural Hero of the Week. But yep. I've also got someone on the show who I'm sure you know very, very well. In fact, he used to sit in your seat back in the good old days of radio sport. We can talk about radio sport because they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Brendan Telfer, famous, known from 9 until 12, doing your exact job.
3: Telf, um a m- tremendous amount of respect for Brendan Telfer one of the great men of New Zealand broadcasting whether it be radio or television uh, he'll be pretty passionate at the moment because he'll be all over the Commonwealth Games I'm sure And Andy yep. uh, being a commentator at so many of those over the years etc and uh, I'll be interested to hear his thoughts on that so I shall be listening so that's show number one today and every Wednesday from 12 to 1 yeah
14: yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Yep. Um, yes, he's... Um, what was his first Commonwealth Games? Can you remember, Smithy? What do you reckon?
3: I can't remember. I would I would. I'm hazard a guess here uh, and say he'd go far, as far back as, say, uh, 1974. Oh, you're uh, good. He'd be pretty close,
14: wouldn't he? Pretty yep, close. Yeah, that was it. Yep, 1974, the first Games in colour, remember?
3: That's right. And Quinny was there as well. I think he called uh, the famous Dick Taylor race when he beat Bedford in black. I'll never forget that. Andy, hey, look, uh, good luck with the new show and the new time slot. I know you're a, you're a master and a, an old hand at it, so I won't worry you at all, but it's great that you're uh, in midweek with us, so I look forward to listening to you in around about nine minutes' time, mate. Thank you and good luck. Thanks, Mother. Cheers, uh, Andy Thompson there, folks. And that is a uh, rural roundup uh, with us uh, between 12 and 1 on Wednesdays uh, on all frequencies except Auckland and Wellington. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Staffy as well before midday to see what he's got on his alternative this afternoon. When making the double chicken deluxe
7: at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. ba
2: Available
7: after 10.30am for a limited time only.